You're listening to Talk Daredevil, a podcast about all things Daredevil in the greater Marvel Universe, brought to you by the women behind Saved Daredevil. Hello and good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the Talk Daredevil podcast. We are potting bright and early this morning about She-Hulk, which we are finally ready to get together and review. Um, if you've been waiting for this one, we really appreciate you being patient and um, we're looking forward to getting right into it. I'm Phyllis and I'm joined by a few beautiful folks today. I'm Rihanna. This is Shelby. Y'all ready to chat about She-Hulk? Let's go. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Um, so just a few, a quick little preface. This is going to be very similar to um, how we've handled our previous review pods. So we're going to talk about the overall season, um, highlight some of our favorite uh, or notable moments. And with this one in particular, we're going to wrap it up with all of the Daredevil. So be warned that there are going to be all of the spoilers. And if you haven't finished watching, go ahead and finish up the show before you start this episode. So I guess let's start with general discussion of the overall season. Um, I think there's a lot of things that we can talk about here. We've all had a really interesting experience watching this together as a as a team um, and kind of observing how this show has been um, discussed and um, watched and just how it's like been handled kind of by the in the overall fandom and um you know i'm i'm willing to start wherever you guys want to start i think starting with our overall view of it is great okay i mean i think for me this season is like a solid b plus like i loved most of it there were times that i did not love it um but it nailed the landing like without nailing the landing it probably would have been like a b minus c plus but but overall, I'm happy more than I'm dissatisfied. Great. Yeah, yeah. I feel exactly the exactly the same way. My grade I wrote down was an eight out of ten. So, um, like you said, there were th- I loved way more than I didn't love about it. I mean, each episode I was ready for the next one. I think I was a little nervous being a you know as how this was the first supposed to be comedy like a half hour sitcom i'm not a big sitcom watcher right so but i think uh, and i think we all agreed like when they cast tatiana we were like okay well that's that's solid it's a relief right yeah right (laughs) (laughs) and i and i enjoyed how they handled you know her origin story i think that was quick and to the point and i was uh her and mark ruffalo played off each other good together and like Rhiannon, I I was uncomfortable at times watching the show, but I think that's a good thing. I had to try to dig in and figure out why I didn't like the things, you know, that sort of aggravated me. And uh, anytime a show does that for me, I, I, I like that. Right, right. So for me, I think the show was probably solidly like a C. I don't want to come in like the typical Phyllis here because um, I really actually loved the premiere. I was kind of surprised at how much I enjoyed it. So I was I was fully ready and like on board to like be on this ride. But you know, just something about it as I was going week to week and I did end up watching it week to week anyway. It just didn't quite work for me as a specifically as a season of comedic television. Mm. It was great that it started really strong, obviously ended 
really strong. Like you said, Rhiannon, it stuck that superhero landing, which was great. Um, and I think, if, again, if it hadn't, my opinion of the show would have probably fallen much lower. But I think with Marvel doing a sitcom comedy, like a proper comedy, um, maybe they're still trying to find their legs with that. I think a lot of it was just still too much for me beholden to the MCU to really like work um, as a sitcom, to really work, like to have the jokes really work on their own. But, you know, as I'm as I'm sure we're going to get into later, I really love Tatiana as Jen. I ultimately appreciated that they tried something different, even if the experiment didn't quite land for me. Um, and I guess we can talk in general whether we think it was a successful experiment for Marvel Studios in Phase 4. Obviously, me, I'm leaning toward, like, not entirely, but I do appreciate that the show existed and they, they tried something different. What about you guys? I'm right there with you on a lot of that, Phyllis. I, um, I, you know, I think we talked about, because I think, well, I, I think you were hesitant to let us know that it wasn't landing for you. <laughs> um, well, one, I don't watch a lot of comedies. And when I do watch comedies, it's very rare that I like laugh out loud. Mm -hmm. So like for me, it wasn't like, I wasn't having issues with it not landing as a comedy because a lot of them just don't land for me as comedies. And I mean, like I was okay with that until it got to a point where things were making me uncomfortable and I felt like they were hiding the things that made me uncomfortable with comedy. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, no, I can't sit and laugh about this because like, did she, did she just get violated? Did something horrible just happen? You know, yes. are, are these people secretly trying to do something awful to her? Like, I am not going to sit here and laugh at your, your jokes because it, it, it hit too real for me. Mm -hmm. So I feel like they skirted the surface of like a very real subject, or I mean, they very much took on this very real subject, but it was, you know. We've had Jessica Jones season one, which was a full season with a plot that was very, very intense and real, like did it well and didn't make me uncomfortable while I was watching it because they were diving nose first in it. There was something about how they did that balance that is like the whole reason that I struggled with the comedy and agree with you. Like maybe it is just comedy. They're still trying to figure out. And if it was just a comedy, I think they could have done great, but they were trying to also make some points about society and, and women's place in society. And I couldn't laugh around that. Yeah. Do you, do you think that was intentional? Like to sort of try to make it lighthearted? How they sort of did, you know, you know, now looking at the finale, like the season as a whole, you know, how we're not taken seriously. There's a whole lot to like take on in this show when it comes to being a woman and how you feel about being a woman and how you feel about other women and sort of how we judge other women. And we're supposed to, you know, not take ourselves too seriously, but be serious in the right moments. So I think we were in one situation where if that was their intent, they had the opportunity in that final episode to clearly say it. This show yeah. is about, you know, what I go through and you've diverted me at every turn, but that isn't exactly the route that they chose. Right. I think what remains a little bit frustrating about the finale, even though it was one of the episodes I actually did enjoy, was just how hand-wavy they were in regards to kind of all of the conflicts that Jen had faced over the course of the season. And, you know, I guess this is kind of where um, 
I don't know if they were as successful as they thought they were in implying that, oh, haha, we were self-aware this entire time that the storylines weren't what they should have been, you know, that they weren't serving Jen. But then you did put her through these real, as you said, violations. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there were points in the in the season where I was like, oh, God, like, are we going back back to this wall again? Like, is it only going to be about Jen's dating life? Is it only going to be about mm-hmm. the rotating door of assholes that are like trying to make her life miserable? And at the end, they're like, oh, haha, she can just say, I don't want that. But the end of episode eight was like super dark and like very disturbing. And so I kind of thought it was a little bit of a cop out that if they were making this commentary, which they clearly wanted to, um, then I think they should have finished essentially making those statements. So, you know, I don't know. I think this is maybe like perhaps they thought they were being a little too clever for their own good. Um, Or maybe they just wanted to touch on the surface of it and not really dive into it. You know, it's one of those things where I don't think they executed the show well enough to be able to do both of those things. So I think if they are coming back with a season two, as I think they're rumored to, like, I hope they really think about how they handle the tone and how they're folding in some of these statements about society and the state of like internet discourse and et cetera um, into the show. Agreed. And I think, yeah, I mean, I think like really when you step back and look at the show, the villain of this season was the incels on the internet. I mean, I guess that's the term that they used on there. The the male dominated, you know, I think of it as like comics gate types that that have been targeting this property since the day it was announced. So, you know, the writer's room came up with all of those quotes and stuff in the show three years before we saw them on our screen. You know, with them being the villain, I I think that was an unclear villain. And I'm not sure it well, I mean, clearly it was not dominated. I mean, you know, there's <laughs> there's still those people on the internet having that feeling and saying those things that totally did not see themselves as the villain. Like, I mean, and, and you're not going to see yourself as the villain, you know, without some very careful storytelling. So I feel like they had a really cool platform to sort of raise a mirror to some people's faces and just didn't do a great job of it. Not if I even know that they could, but if you're going to go all out and you're going to take that subject and you're going to smash it, like I said, I got to the end satisfied and fulfilled, but man, yeah, like second season, maybe they could take it a little bit further and have a real message with it. Or maybe they're just going to, you know, make some jokes around it and yeah. fuel internet discourse. I'm glad that we had our Discord TV discussion because you guys were probably better at when I when I would hear some of y'all's opinions, I would be like, yeah, that's it. Like when the things Rhiannon said, and I think A brought up some good Good points. Um, it just you really have to talk through it because there was a lot that to make you uncomfortable and the humor surrounding it. And then you would feel that you feel guilty about not like fully enjoying it. And you're like, why am I not enjoying this like I should? Right. And I think that's a good segue to maybe talking about some of the discourse that has surrounded the entire series run, because um, I think we're touching at it right now. but. This, the show essentially was kind of written to have the meta villain be the misogynistic side of internet slash Marvel fandom. 
Um, and so if, if the intent was to bait people into um, saying and doing some of the things that they had already written three years ago, they were very successful, um, <laughs> uh, which, you know, I think it, it probably worked with the intent of how they wanted the show to be talked about, but um, whether or not it was kind of the right discussion to be surrounding the show week to week. I think I do feel like this show could have done something more to not have it just evolve into the same intense um, polarizing conversation that we have seen around a lot of things. So what do you guys think about that? Definitely. I mean, like I said, people decided three years ago that they weren't going to like this show, that there was or you know, something about them doing She-Hulk in general. Um and change in general. There, there are people that just there. There are properties that aren't for them, and I feel like Marvel has gone in a lot of directions that that have been experimentation and have been trying to reach new audiences. And some people just have not been happy about that. There was a level of toxicity with this that that reached new levels. That if anybody's listening to this podcast, they've probably seen it. They've probably felt it. It exhausted me. It almost made me not want to talk about the show with some people. Like <laughs> yeah. it, it was exhausting. Mm-hmm. And and I felt it somewhat personally attacking as someone that I could relate to Jen Walters in a lot of ways. I wanted like I, I simultaneously wanted and did not want to have those discussions, which is, you know, something that we'll get into later. But I the discourse, I mean, I think what we all felt was it kept us from wanting to say anything critical about the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and that also, you know, is is a weird place that I think we need to normalize having complex feelings. Like overall, I liked the show, but I also have some issues with it. Um, I mean, and and like we can just love things without having to critique them. Not everything has to be perfect. This is a hobby. This is something that we all go to for enjoyment. If you don't enjoy it, don't watch it. Mm-hmm. If you do enjoy it. And you enjoy talking with your friends about the feelings that you have about it. Great. But you don't have to critique it. But it is okay to have complex feelings about it. That's one of the things we struggle with just in general as women is being allowed to have complex feelings, being able to work through our feelings without being attacked. We have fear of being attacked at every turn. And this show, I mean, there was so much. It, there was hate for every single part of it. I, just, I do not understand. Like watching something just to hate on it. I will never get that. Right. And I mean, I think this speaks to like an even broader state of internet culture that we will not be able to really sufficiently unpack here. <laughs> you know, like, you, you know, because people literally are just, um, this is how discussions devolve, right? Like, you're not allowed to love something, you're not allowed to hate something. Um, you're not allowed to have complex, mixed feelings about things. You're not allowed to discuss things in a critical way um, without being attacked for one reason or another. Um, and I think that because of the way the show was going to be received by a certain segment of the audience and the way that the creative team also intended for the show to be received, it was kind of just like a perfect storm of like all of the shit essentially yeah so i definitely agree with both of you in that case i I wish perhaps in a naive way that we would be able to have a thoughtful conversation about this show because i think as we're discussing here you can very much tell that the show did operate with layers um and i think just because of how 
people are conditioned now to talk about entertainment and um, content. It's just, it feels harder to be able to do those things with a show like this. Something that we talked about too within our team um, was just seeing kind of this hate toward Daredevil fans. We knew Daredevil was coming in the show. And therefore, there was a large segment of population that maybe wouldn't have watched it if there had not been the Daredevil tease. Either in the trailer before the show even started or after they literally teased the character in the show, a lot of the negativity of people, you know, like I said, if you don't like it, don't watch it. There were a lot of people that wouldn't have watched it, but they wanted to see Daredevil. Therefore, a lot of the negativity was attributed to those people watching it only for the eventual Daredevil premiere. And I think that was upsetting for all of us. Well, because, you know, I think a clever part of the She-Hulk marketing campaign was their, again, their self-awareness that this show is going to be kind of packed full of cameos and trying to get ahead of that and saying, but this is Jen's show, this is Jen's show. And I think a lot of people assume for whatever reason, as if Marvel doesn't plan these things out way in advance, (laughs) that they were directly addressing the Daredevil fans who in their eyes were being like really obnoxious and really rude and, you know, all that. Um, No, I think they were just making a statement that they know that people were going to be tuning in for so many different reasons, whether it be, you know, for the Hulk, for, for just, you know, all of these other people that had been teased as well alongside Daredevil. Um, but yes, it was um, it was just a little bit frustrating. And that's not to say that there weren't people that were probably being obnoxious because that's just how it is um, on the Internet. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I would have preferred that they not have told us or so, shown like, us. This is, the, this is the Internet. If it, this show is not your thing and you're just waiting to see Matt or Wong or whoever it is, just just wait. The Internet's going to have it like condensed down to a YouTube video <laughs> where you can just I mean, what are you yeah. even doing? It's just it's frustrating. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, people that were watching it just for Daredevil and then mad every episode that he was not there and that they were like forced to watch the show. Like, no, you could have waited 10 minutes. And the internet would have spoiled every little detail. Wait. <laughs> I know, but at the same time, the people were like, ah, spoilers. How dare you? How yeah. dare you? <laughs> There's really no winning, honestly, sometimes. So. There really isn't. So, well, I'm in, 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 and I mean, like the, the writers clearly, like they knew there was no winning. Yeah. And they, and, and, and they lean into it, you know, which yeah. I, I mean, I, I definitely don't disagree with the choice because I think in that situation is kind of like the only way to deal with it is just head on. So, you know, I, I, um, I appreciate their, their balls for doing that. That, that whole part of it just also gave me to make a rest of development reference it made me feel c minus <laughs> the whole time mm-hmm. yeah because you had to you, you had to deal with a week of like hate and aggravation and obnoxiousness <laughs> i think the part that hit us so badly as save daredevil was that all of that hate was being attributed to quote unquote daredevil fans and they probably are like we don't speak for the entire fandom but i, I think we just want to say very clearly as save daredevil that is not our vibe. And frankly, it's really not the vibe of many Daredevil fans. It's the minority can be so deafening. And, you know, these platforms and these algorithms reward people that are loud and obnoxious and won't shut up. <laughs> so 
I think it's just a good reminder, perhaps, to people, especially now. I think now that Daredevil is officially in the MCU, like officially, officially, he's he's being he's being wrapped into a fandom that is so much larger than the original TV fandom ever was, and we're gonna have to kind of get used to this space um, being populated by a lot of different types of folks, um, and not all pleasant company. Um, and I think that's going to be something we're going to kind of all have to be aware of and keep working on. But I know that from our side of things, our corner of um, the fandom, that we certainly are not going to stray at all from our goal to um, continue being like a positive and welcoming presence um, to Daredevil fans. So, but we can talk more about that later because we're going to have a whole section about all the things that are Daredevil. I think maybe right now it'd be great to move on to some more positive things. You know, we usually like to kind of go through some of our notable moments and favorites um, from each of these series. And again, even though overall there might have been some like mixed feelings, complicated feelings, there were still things that we all really enjoyed. So this is um, this is your moment, folks. Let's talk about it. Mm, Tatiana, let's just talk about her again. Oh, my gosh. I love her so much. Did you guys watch Orphan Black? Am I the only one? I was just going to say I never watched Orphan Black. But I, I, I knew that she was supposed to be amazing in it. So I had like expectations of her, <laughs> even <laughs> though I hadn't watched her show. Shelby, had you watched? I, I watched part of it. I don't think I've, I finished it. But she's okay. the kind of actress that you feel like you could throw anything at and she would just go with it, nail it. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I watched all of Orphan Black and she is probably one of the best actresses ever. Definitely. Just, of our, yeah, like this generation, our generation, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel very comfortable with the ever. <laughs> she, <laughs> she, I mean, there were times in Orphan Black, but, you know, she just did things there that were amazing. So I had no doubt she was going to nail this character. Yeah, we were and, just like, she's so tiny. She's so tiny. <laughs> I, but, you know, she's the type of tiny actress that could. That big could person. Be, yeah, big, big. She fills yeah, whatever easily. she needs to be. The thing from Orphan Black that that sold me on her is she's playing a lot of clones. So she's playing completely different people. And there is one scene where she walks in as, say, one of the clones has blonde hair. So she walks in as the blonde. And when she opens her mouth and starts talking, you immediately know that it is one of the other clones pretending to be the blonde clone. And all of it is Tatiana, but just through her mannerisms and her voice and all of that, you immediately know that it's her pretending to be another character, pretending to be her. Like she's mind blowingly good. So I, yeah, I love everything about her. I want her in everything. And she seems like a genuinely wonderful human being. Yes. For me, if she was not the one playing Jen in the show, I definitely would have checked out way earlier. Um, Her performance made the show made what few parts of the show that I actually did enjoy made them for me um, and made even sitting through the parts that I didn't enjoy as much like okay to sit through because every time she was on screen I found something worth watching in her performance yeah you can't help but watch her yeah and like just her charisma and her charm like I don't know how many comedy beats she had to play in Orphan Black. My in, my impression of the show was that it could get pretty dark and, and dramatic, but she is 
wonderful comedy. Um, and I'm really excited, you know, even if I not quite so much about the show, I'm so excited for her to continue on in the MCU and to see where she ends up next. And she was surrounded, I think, uh, surrounded by some other amazing cast. Yeah, I, I want to think that like early on, Shelby and I were like, I need more of this amazing side cast that they've introduced mm -hmm. with Pug and Nikki and even Titania. I loved Nikki so much, so much. She is hilarious. Uh, Ginger is her name, I yes, think. Yes, Ginger Gonzaga. Gonzaga. Yeah. Um, hilarious. Yeah. Like, I, I almost wish, like, I obviously, like, I knew going in, okay, this was going to be like, not just a lawyer show, <laughs> you know, because they're... They have all these other characters coming in, you know, that are obviously going to take up a little bit of space. Um, but man, I really kind of wish that we were, that we had like the supporting team at the firm more. I know. I could watch like 30, I could watch like 30 minutes of just Josh and Nikki. I mean, not yeah. Josh and Nikki, Pug and Nikki. <laughs> Josh and Ginger. Pug and yes. Nikki. But yeah, they were they were hilarious. And I mean, there was a point where I was like, I know Pug's face, but I was like, I hadn't seen him in like five episodes. Um, and I was like, oh, yeah, he's <laughs> he's part of this. I love him. He was, you know, he was on Arrow. He was vigilante. Mm. Adrian Chase on Arrow. That's how I knew him. But my sister was like, there's a show called Sirens on a long time ago. And he was funniest on that show. And she had showed me like clips. And I was like, oh, my God, I love him. I, I miss them when they were on the screen and I wish that we could have had more of them and hopefully they move on. There will be more of them um, on the show, but they were a delight. They were the kind of, you know, as someone who I don't watch a ton of sitcoms, um, but I do watch a few and the few that I enjoy, it only works if you have a strong supporting cast. So the fact that those two worked as well as they did that was when the sitcom comedy part of it felt more successful. Or like, oh, can we talk about Madison for a second? Oh. <laughs> she was so much fun. And I didn't expect that. I thought I would be annoyed by that. Like, oh my God, okay. This is, this is, this was funny. Like the first two seconds, but holy crap, she was <laughs> amazing. It gave her a little bit of depth and a little bit of purpose. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't like she was just in there for a gag of, okay, here's a ditzy California woman she had purpose to the plot and moved along and therefore I yeah I wasn't as annoyed with her as I felt like I should have been I will admit I was a little bit annoyed by her <laughs> but I do I do agree though that at least she did further the plot of that particular episode you don't want to see more wongers in Madison just watching tv Come on. <laughs> that might not be my my top <laughs> choice <laughs> So cute. Might not be my top choice, but I am glad that Wongers found his person to watch TV with because I do appreciate having people to watch TV with. People I who appreciate binge, my TV. A good not wanting yeah. to get spoiled. A, a, yeah. a binge yeah. buddy is actually yeah. like kind of crucial sometimes to heightening the enjoyment of watching TV shows. So I so I love that for him and for he him. Needs <laughs> he needs that. He needs some downtime. And, and then uh, Titania, she should just uh, bust in every show like that like she does just bust a wall in every show she literally was the cool man <laughs> yeah yeah i still don't know anything about this character like particularly i don't know what i don't know what she was supposed to be in the comics other than she was one of you know she hulks that's that's really I, i've read so little that's really all yeah i know too but i do appreciate that Jamila Jamil very deftly handled all the things on social. <laughs> yes. 
she was ready for it and she was relishing it. Yes. She, she can come on our podcast. <laughs> yes. Love to talk to her. So if we want to move away from just like characters, which I mean, there were other like I actually really enjoyed uh, having Emil Blonsky mm. having mm-hmm. that character in a sort of a through line in this to, mm. to go along. But if we move on along, like I really did the early episodes. I loved the portrayal of a professional woman in a male-dominated field. I'm an engineer, so I've been in some situations. You know, engineering's different than lawyering. You're not as, I guess, not as appearance-focused because you're not, like, going to court and stuff as much. But, you know, in a different sort of stakes. But there were a lot of the microaggressions and stuff that were brought up in the early episodes that I could really relate to. You know, and I really thought were good to bring up. Not that this is the first show to bring them up or the first like time to bring them up, but I think, you know, with this audience and in this format and everything, they did portray a lot of that in what I felt was a very realistic way. So in that, they show her as like a strong professional woman. And then they throw on this like dating subplot that really made me uneasy because I'm like, this is just like so men in a boardroom come up with a plot for a woman character. It's going to be all about her trying to date and how is she going to date when she's green? So like I was really on edge about that from the beginning. But I feel like they did take that to a place in the end to make her her own hero and to get past all of that little dating subplot and and who knows what her career is in the end. I mean, they, they she's mm-hmm. still a lawyer and she's working, but they didn't really state for whom no, and like no, you know, in what no. capacity. So, you know, I feel like they did in the end have her as the hero. Yeah. She took I like that she just took control of her own narrative. Like literally. Yeah, which like was was crazy to me because we were having this whole time this canon versus not canon mm. like discourse on the internet. Was we can go back there for just a second, and I had wrote this post that was like, just love what you love, and if there's nothing out there for you to love, then write. You be the writer. You tell mm-hmm. the story. And so when that kind of happened in the finale, I was like, okay, yeah. Well, you Shelby, you were on the She Hulk comics chat, right? How did you think that they handled this fourth wall? You know what? I, I wish Casey was was here because, mm. or even Christine, I think she read, she made sure to read the Savage She-Hulk run. I just don't know if I've read enough comics to really dive into that too much. Um, it's fair. Yeah. I really did like the homage they paid to uh, the TV show. Mm. That oh hit me more. Yes. Okay. So. <laughs> that, that hit me more than anything else. So back in like uh, beginning of this year, we technically recorded an episode where we watched the trial of the Incredible Hulk together. It hasn't yet yet to be released, but perhaps now (laughs) we will eventually release it just as something fun, you know. Um, And I was like so tickled that I kind of got the reference. You know what I mean? It was so fun. It was a great homage. I really enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed that sequence because I do remember some of those clips being mm-hmm. in that little teaser that they did the year before for like their mm-hmm. Disney Plus. Oh, yeah, day. yeah. And, and nobody knowing how that was going to fit in. People Everybody's were like, like what so is that? confused. Yeah. <laughs> we're oh, like, what's sorry. going on? And that was yeah. also, that also predated, you know, me watching The Trial of the Credible Hulk. So I definitely wouldn't have gotten that then either. But, but yeah, it was a really clever, a really clever way to not, again, to get another like Hulk property. 
Um, yeah. In addition to that moment being a really fun one in the finale for me, I did to my to my surprise, I really actually did enjoy that um, that final fourth wall break in the finale, um, which I think I like for the first third to a half of it, I was like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, I know. <laughs> you know? Like it just was really messing me up my brain and it was messing me up. And I was like, Shelby, she's taking control of her own story. Uh, yeah, right. That's what you want people to do. I'm like, I don't know. This is too much. <laughs> but again, I attribute it entirely to Tatiana for like selling the shit out of it for me. Cause I think in the hands of a lesser, a lesser actor, I would have been like, Oh no, this is cringy. You know, I don't, I don't like this, but I liked it with her. Just all of her little winks and nods. I it just she just has such it's just so hard to not be charmed by her energy in that scene. Um now whether that like finale gag payoff was justified by like this like season long setup, like I don't know, but I do think that was like kind of the first real big moment. It felt like they took a really big swing that was like their own. That was like this is this is something we can only do on this show. And this is why the show is worth it. So that did work for me. Yeah. I'm with you guys on that. Um, one of my biggest complaints with all of the Marvel shows has been the ending and like how there's always just like all of these little plots that come up in the next to last episode and then like some huge fight that does whatever and doesn't clean up those plots. And yeah, I don't know. I've been left very unsatisfied with the last episodes of some of the shows. and <laughs> I just kind of look Yes, there's a lot of stuff that's still questions because of what changed. Like, did she create another universe? Blah, 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 mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. yes, when you hyperanalyze this, there are issues. But in the moment and watching it and compared to all of these other shows, I loved it. I'm like, yes, it was going yeah. to this place. And I don't know. I mean, like, maybe I loved it because it was going to this place that I just loathe at this point. I, and I didn't want to go there. And suddenly it's like, oh, good. We're not going there. Yay. Yeah. It did feel like the most even of all the shows. And maybe that's because it was all over the place the whole time is why it felt even. <laughs> but it's, yeah. <laughs> like, I see you, Moon Knight. No, I'm just like. <laughs> yeah. And um, I know we'll definitely talk more about this in our like last section of this pod. But um, you were the first one um, to me, Rhiannon, that pointed out ending with the with the sad boy cookout or something. I don't remember. <laughs> oh, God. I think somebody else titled it the sad boy cookout. Okay, yeah, but I'm okay. just like. Yeah. But you were the one that was like, oh, my gosh, they did another cookout ending. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, let's just end everything. Well, yeah. With the loner boy at the cookout yeah. was kind of how I put it. But then somebody on Twitter titled it like the sad boy cookout. <laughs> yeah. So to be clear. I don't love the just like giant cinematic fight at the end of these TV series. I do love the family cookout at the, the end barbecue. of the series. Yeah, let's yeah. More barbecue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for me, they're cookouts. For some people, they're barbecues. That's a <laughs> that's a American regional thing. But or, or grilling. We just call it grilling down here. We're just gonna grill. Oh, okay. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. If we were calling out moments of the finale, I wanted to call out that one. <laughs> Because yes. I did have a good chuckle about it after the fact. Um, so why don't we just go ahead and talk about Daredevil? I mean, I think what really pleased me was, first of all, I, I very much enjoyed. Oh, I know what it was, Phyllis Fields. I know what oh, it was. The, uh, the, the shout out to the Rogers musical in the background of the, the, the fight scene between Daredevil and She-Hulk. Was that what pleased you the most? No. Oh, well, you got me there, Rogers Shelby. the musical in the background? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, there was like a there was a billboard or a, a, a <laughs> advertisement in the back of that scene. And then oh. when he's standing by the car and she like lifts him up. Yeah. Anyway, oh, God bless that I didn't course. notice that. Somebody else pointed. Somebody pointed that out. Not me. You all. <laughs> you all know my feelings about Rogers the Musical. <laughs> so we're not going to tread that ground here. This is a safe, positive space to talk about Daredevil's appearance on She-Hulk. Um, so. First of all, people have been talking about Daredevil being in She-Hulk for a very long time. Oh, Jesus. I don't know. How long? Like, really? So two, long. Two, three years. We had no two idea years. if it was two true. Years. But, yeah. Yeah, and I think, naturally, a lot of, um, a little bit of trepidation, a little bit of like, ooh, how are they going to do this? And, and even leading into the show, I think we all knew for one reason or another that his appearance was going to be like near the end of the season. But, you know, we were really stoked um, to have gotten that like actual tease in the She-Hulk trailer that he dropped at San Diego Comic-Con. So that was like, I think the first moment of like, oh my God, yeah, this is but, so exciting. Yeah, I was like, are they not, are we going to pretend like he's not in this show the whole time? Are we going to do something? <laughs> right. Um, a lot of my concerns, I think, were put to rest by kind of a lot more Daredevil content than I expected to receive. So I guess we can start with episode eight, which first of all, I want to just say that I love that the folks from the team at New York Comic Con got to experience that together. That made yes. me really happy. Can I talk about that for one second? Yes, of course you can. So, I mean, yes, the Daredevil episode eight uh, came out the Thursday of New York Comic Con, which was the first day of New York Comic Con. So I had a house. Half of Save Daredevil at New York Comic Con was say, staying at my apartment. So we woke up at 3.30 uh, and watched it all together in the early morning light. And then we brewed some coffee and then we watched it again and again and again and again. <laughs> um, for anybody interested, you started at 6.06, 6 minutes, 6 seconds, and you're right there where... Matt walks into the courtroom. 616, that would have been cool. Well, I mean, probably 616 would probably work because you get probably a few seconds of like, where's your law? But anyways. Yeah. Um, but it was just so very cool to be sitting there with a couple of other people with Say Daredevil, Daredevil when we saw that moment and to watch that episode and digest it with each other. And like... Man, I love all these ladies and saved her, you know, in, in this crew and super special that we got to experience that together. And then to go to New York Comic Con and have people come up to us. We'll do a New York Comic Con episode, I know, at some point. But for people to just sort of come up to us right after seeing it that day yeah. and be like, yeah, I, it, there were people that were just in awe, just like, thank you. And to all of you. You're welcome. Yeah, I got up. It was like at normal time. It was like, you know, yeah. 4.45 or something. I got up and I was like, let me go to the chat. And there was this wall of black. And I was like, yeah. do I click <laughs> on it? I kind of have anxiety. Let me click on just, let me just click on see if it's good. And I don't know why. I doubted if it would be, I don't know why I was having anxiety. Look, it was always, <laughs> it's always, you just never know until you know. So I just right? read a couple and I was like, okay, it's good. It's good. It's very positive. Yeah. And I stayed off Twitter and watched it. And, oh, and I was like, Rihanna, and watched it all day. There was that clip the day before, and I think it was a very awkward clip. It was, you know, the sound sounded weird. The oh, CGI yeah, the fight was a little, yeah, a little preview yeah. clip from the fight, right? And I didn't actually yeah. watch it because it just seemed like no one really cared that much for it. And I was like, mm, I don't know if I want to watch this now in case it like puts a damper on. 
Yeah, like, exactly. This anticipation that I have for this episode. So I was like, yeah, I'm just going to steer clear for now. So I think that's where Shelby's anxiety came from. Was yeah. just that we sort of like that clip did not put us at ease. Like the mm-hmm. early the early moments where he spoke in the trailer, and it was like, oh my oh, gosh, yeah, that is a little. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, the Matt stuff. Yeah, all the Matt I think we're all like, oh yeah, that's Matt. That's Matt. (laughs) And then he walks in and says, I'm here. Oh, good boy. You are, buddy. You are. Yeah. So we can try to avoid literally just recapping the entire episode. (laughs) Um, because we could easily do that. But like let's hold out a few things that we like really liked about it. Because there's there are some other there are still other things we can talk about as far as like even just like Charlie talking about She-Hulk, you know. Um, I mean, so Jen and Matt. Oh, Jen and Matt was so perfect. I am a self-professed Matt Electra shipper, but y'all, I love, I love the energy that Jen and Matt were giving off. So good. With each other and to us. Like, I love, I love like a happy, no strings attached, respectful hookup <laughs> kind of mm-hmm. thing that we're like having here. Um, I just really loved it. And obviously there's like other things I very much enjoyed about Matt's appearance in this episode, but since we are talking about Jen and Matt, it was like hilarious to me that they ended up going back to her place and he's like in full costume. <laughs> I don't know. There's like just so much of that like flirty energy that just really worked for and me. And then he has to leave in the costume. He has no other clothes. <laughs> yeah. He has just leaving yeah. the costume. So good. So obviously, you know, that's not like the main takeaway from this episode, but I just thought the whole the whole relationship and their chemistry was just so just so charming. And I just love that they're like on the same level and like adults, you know? Yeah. It was so adult mm-hmm. and mature. Yeah. And, and like, and he was, and he was mentor, you know, trying to be the mentor. Like, yeah. I, I love that, yeah. that Matt, where he is now, is comfortable enough to be a mentor to somebody else, mm-hmm. another superhero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that in itself gave a very good job of showing that this is our Matt, but this is our Matt in a different place. He yeah. has taken out millions of goons and warehouses at this point, which <laughs> I. Totally need somebody to do the math of like how many per warehouse and how many warehouses per week he's having to go through. Um, But, you know, this is a Matt that has done a lot more than we have seen. And he has come along. So like, yes, he's different. But time has passed. He has matured. He has taken out millions of warehouse goons. He has it down to a science where it's 15 seconds per goon. Like... And very comfortable saying, I'm Daredevil. Like, yeah. you don't know mm-hmm. me? <laughs> 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 Whereas, you know, years ago, our Matt might have been like, eh, I'm Daredevil. <laughs> My name doesn't matter. Yeah. 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 I didn't choose that name. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, it was it was so nice to to see a portrayal of him that just felt so grounded in the mat that we know. But Charlie did a wonderful job portraying mm-hmm. him as a mat that has um, grown up, that has mm-hmm. like seen some things, um, has evolved, gets to have a little bit of fun. I think, you know, there was a lot of fear around Daredevil being in a comedy and whether they were going to like, you know, make him too funny, too hammy or whatever. But I, I thought tonally they did a great job balancing the moments where Matt can get a little bit more, um, for example, in in the lead up to the fight um, at the warehouse, him having this like banter with Jen about goons, you know, was a really nice example of like the kind of humor that that worked for Daredevil in this universe. Like he wasn't the one 
making like all the zingers and like winking to camera, but he was clearly like comfortable and relaxed and got to have a good time. So I really loved that for Charlie. I know he's, he talked about that quite a bit before we saw this show and after. Um, and I just think like, yeah, I think a lot of the things about his appearance, well, not just a lot of things, all of the things about his appearance really worked. I was like, am I going to want to rewatch this when I watch it? And yes, I've watched it so many times. (laughs) like I've missed you <laughs> I know I also appreciate that um because I think it's hard to not be tempted to put Daredevil in a hallway and obviously they did that um I also just really loved when Jen just like busted through the ceiling because it was like perfect for her show yeah. and also I don't want you guys to bite off more than you can chew <laughs> right now yeah. save that stuff for his own show don't mess around too much with it and the fighting too, I remember on that first watch, for me, I watched this at midnight. So I wasn't like too bleary eyed or anything. But I remember thinking like, oh, okay, this is like packing more punch than I thought it was going to. So I was quite pleased with that as well. No, I agree with you on the hallway because I was sitting there. I was sitting on the floor, Christine sitting behind me. I will always remember like this little voice <laughs> in the back of my ears. He's in a hallway. <laughs> And I was like, oh my gosh, I did not realize that. And then it was just clearly She-Hulk reminding, boom, this is my show. Yeah. And I thought that was just a perfect little balance with his appearance there enough to get me fully hyped. And then her remind, and then he got to keep fighting. It's not like, and then we never saw him again. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it did feel like to me, it felt like to me, that was the most time that we got to spend with Jen. I feel like that was the episode where I got to know her the most. Mm -hmm. It's true. And to have her playing off of somebody for almost an entire episode was quite nice. Um, Usually when she's in these fights, I mean, I confess I have not gone back to rewatch the show, but it feels like it's all kind of like, I don't know, it's just like kind of she lands a few punches, fights a few guys, and then you move on, you know, whatever the next scene is, whatever the next case is. So it was nice to see her actually be with somebody discussing kind of the She-Hulk thing and and the Jen lawyer thing Mm -hmm. over a whole episode. It felt very um, cohesive in that way. So... I think that like people were already whispering that like we were going to get a little bit more Matt in the finale. And I think they oh, were no, like, you, again, no, not on the Internet. People already like knowing what's going to happen. No, <laughs> <laughs> no people don't want to spoil things. I want to think there was some inconsistency in how it was reported, how many episodes he would be in. Right. So that left us some belief that he could be in the final episode. But then I was also like, oh, but do we want him in the final? I mean, obviously yeah. we want yeah, we didn't. him, but do we want him in the finale of the show? But again, his appearance in the finale as well was just like, mm, just right. Didn't expect to see him, like, just hanging out. For, for like, I have, I have never see. related to a character on TV more in my life. <laughs> <laughs> which one? Her, her wanting him there or him just there hanging out? Which one? <laughs> her wanting him there. Her <laughs> addressing Kevin Feige, saying... Or, or, sorry, her addressing K-E- Kevin, yeah, Kevin. Yeah. that she wanted more Daredevil. Like, <laughs> I was like, oh, how do we get, how do we get Tatiana a shirt? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was just, it was just so perfectly worked into that whole, you know, scene with Kevin. And then it, like, I think at first I thought, oh, it's just going to be like, it's just her making references, which on its own was already like, it was very funny and cute. But then, no, then he drops in from the sky. <laughs> he's he's there for the rest of the episode. Oh, it's over? Oh, yeah. so cute. 
Yeah. And I mean, I think like as many plot holes and stuff that I have complained about in the MCU, I have zero complaints about the Matt Murdock <laughs> falling from the, the daredevil falling right. from the sky. Right. Like if that's, if it, that's what it took to get daredevil back in the MCU, I am a hundred percent okay with it. Agree. I, I will say that it's always going to like weird me out just a little to see him in broad daylight in his daylight, suit, yeah. but I'm, I'm okay. I think I'm okay with it now. Um, if only because then it like, oh, now I know exactly like what the colors were and you can see very clearly it's like the same suit. Um, I also know there was some team flannel. Oh, my first watch was like, oh, this is weird. This is weird. <laughs> well, he it didn't fall too. from the sky with a suitcase, Phyllis. <laughs> I know I had to write a whole backstory in my head about this shirt. Yeah. But it was so soft. It looks so soft. We already know he doesn't carry spare clothes with his suit. And he didn't drop from the sky with a suitcase. So those are obviously Uncle Tucker's clothes. Yes, I will allow it. (laughs) So while Daredevil didn't overshadow Jen's ending, like Jen clearly ended the show, for us emotionally, we have worked so hard to see this moment where he was there and for it to land so well, for it to be him and be all of that. Like, yes, that is a highlight. Like, Mm -hmm. it doesn't overshadow what the show was. It doesn't change that we either loved or did not love She-Hulk and Jennifer Walters and how the plot went and all of that. I think it's safe for all of us to just take a moment and say we loved the Daredevil aspects of both of the final episodes. One million percent. Totally agree. I, I think we definitely personally had just, I, I, I wouldn't say it's unique to us. I think many, many fans did have like a vested interest in seeing how his return would be handled. But I think for us in particular, it was just very special. Um, and so I'm just really glad that that it did happen, that it was executed as well as it was. And I think the gift that it's given to us, particularly as a campaign, just all of Charlie's post-She-Hulk interviews have been just such an absolute delight, first of all, to read. And it's just always so like surreal to me when Charlie directly references the campaign, which he he did many, many times during D23 press, which was already like a bit shocking. <laughs> but the fact that in these post-She-Hulk interviews, he has once again provided so generously some credit to us, um, Save Daredevil, for just his return and how, you know, his future will look like in the MCU. So you know, that has been something that we've been living through for this like past week now. And it's been really, I don't know, it's just been such a joy and always filled with gratitude. That Marvel, that Marvel interview was like everything. Yeah, who would have thought <laughs> that like Marvel.com needs to like now have saved your novel But listen up, bestie. Listen up, Charlie. <laughs> like you've got to take some credit for your own awesomeness yeah. too. Which I think he knows, but I think, I you so. know. Let's just tell him. I know he didn't like to hear it, but he's pretty awesome. He is just good. good. He's good people. We have seen that for ourselves um, many times over the last few years. Um, This just is like another piece of evidence to us that he is just like one of the most like kind hearted and generous people in the business. But yeah, Charlie, we are just thank you and we love you. And we are just so stoked to see how everything unfolds from here. Um, which, I mean, we could talk about that a little bit before we wrap up. I'm still not entirely sure if this is a rumor or not, but it has been reported in the trades that him and Fisk will be um, appearing in Echo. Well, obviously, we know that 
Vincent is reprising his role in Echo. Um, and the news is that Daredevil will be there too. I think that will be the next stop before we get Daredevil born again. I don't know, guys. This is just like, now it's like, feels like it's really happening, which yeah, is... Man, so excited. Like, I don't know. It's going to be more build-up, more hype, more build-up, more, more, more hype. Build up, more build-up, more hype. Um, <laughs> and I know at New York, you guys got to meet Vincent briefly um, and chat with him. And I think, like, the vibes were all really good. Yeah, and um, he he had nothing but positive things to say. He implied that he knows a little bit about what's coming in Born Again and that... And that he was super excited about it. He he kind of, I mean, like one, I've never met Vincent before. Right. But right. he kind of seemed like he really wanted to just tell us everything. <laughs> and, you know, we're just kind of like, let's just take a picture and let you save yeah. your NBA. Yeah. He, he, you know, he was very excited. I think like for me, the excitement for Born Again is that we have now seen Matt Murdock in the MCU. We have seen Daredevil in the MCU. We know... It's still Charlie. We're no he's mm-hmm. he's we know that he's a matured daredevil. We know a little bit more about this character that we're gonna see. Um yeah. I, I you know, by by either I don't know if it's by rumor sites or if it's by the trades, it's so hard to keep track of everything these days. But they're filming in New York City. I mean, Charlie has said, you know, when I step on set in New York. Yeah, Charlie let it slip, I think, in one of his D twenty three interviews that he was gonna be back. You know, which to me, I mean, not just because I live in New York City and this, you know, maybe I'll get to see, you know, mm-hmm. filming in some way or something. I, I feel like that is such an integral part about the tone that they had in the original series. Yeah. And I think it says a lot about what they're doing. And I, so I think coming out of She-Hulk and with that little bit of news, like it is making me feel a little bit more comfortable about what they're putting together for Born Again. Is this the first show that they're not primarily shooting on a Marvel Studios lot? Of the MCU television series, yes. Because mm-hmm. they've mostly filmed them in Atlanta. They've come up, like Hawkeye came up and filmed for, I think, two weeks in New York City. Right, right. To get some of those, like, city shots, right? Yeah. And there was an amazing amount of leaked pictures from that. Like, they mm-hmm. did not, mm-hmm. they just did not lock that down like they normally do a Marvel show. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think they also have a lot in England that they did a lot of the Doctor Strange filming and they have a lot in... Well, in England, though, they they have another Pinewood Studios there, right? So it's yeah. still technically like their lot. So yeah. it's just interesting that this might be the first one that potentially... Like, I, I don't know if they're building anything for the show. Like, obviously, they will have sets and stuff to shoot on. But it's exciting to think like, oh, okay, so they're going to go back on location a little bit more with this show. They're going to do something that they haven't really bothered doing with the other shows because yeah. those are more effects heavy. They, they could just recreate all the locations on a green screen. I think just like it feels in a way that someone somewhere in the decision making process is like honoring one of the core characters of the show, which is New York. Yeah, I- Fully prepared for it to be uh, Atlanta, New York. That's what I was fully prepared for. Yeah, so exactly. To hear that it's New York, New York. I'm yeah. So yeah. Cool. And I think it's very fascinating because like some point within the past year, there's a Kevin Feige quote saying that they're going to move away from New York, that they're looking <laughs> to do less of superheroes in New York. I, and then we I got... swear, Kevin, <laughs> Kevin, Kevin, K-E-V-I-N, you're you, like troll us because I was also never thought we'd get more than 10 episodes. And here we are with like eight. I mean, yeah. what, what, yeah. In the world? what is even happening? What in the world? Right. So, I mean, yes, I think next year will be um, just very exciting because the show will be shooting. I February is what we've heard. Is what we've heard. 
there will be hopefully news. There'll be hopefully be some more casting news once production is underway. I know that we are still very much hoping for the return of um, our main cast. So again, I, for anyone who doesn't like really follow this kind of stuff very closely, like I wouldn't be, um, I wouldn't be super anxious or lose hope about seeing more of our cast come back because a lot of the times this stuff just doesn't get officially announced until like the show's almost done. So I wouldn't be surprised if they did something like that here too, or if they knew that like a photo was going to get leaked and they just like try to get ahead of it. So yeah. I'm just excited to see like what comes out our way in 2023. Um, my, my big hope is that when they come back next year for Comic-Con, they're going to have like some footage to show us, which would be like super exciting. I don't know. This like year of anticipation is going to be like nuts. I think. <laughs> It's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a lot of, we're going to have a lot of fun getting everybody hyped, getting ourselves hyped and getting everyone else hyped. Our our work is never done. Our work is never done. (laughs) I mean, and and we do have a crazy year ahead of us. There will be rumors that sound scary. I mean, I, you know, if we look at at this past year, yes, there was the rumor of the, the yellow suit and um, of it being comedic and, you know, all of this, there were a lot of rumors that made us very uneasy and it turned out really well. Over the next year, there's going to be who knows what is ahead of us of what will come out leaks, you know, and, and in regards to casting and, you know, we, we may not end up with the same cast back. We may end up with stuff that sounds upsetting at the time, but we as a campaign are going to stay positive and hyped and we encourage all of you guys that are listening that have listened this far yeah. uh, to remain the same. Absolutely. Well said. All right. I mean, I think that more or less does it. I think we covered just about everything that we could. Um, this was a really fun conversation, you guys. You know, it's it's hard sometimes when I'm like watching something and I like I know I don't really like it, but I always actually feel a lot better about it after talking it out with all of you. So I think that now that this conversation has been had, I I see more things about the show that I can like acknowledge uh, were things that they tried and, and and probably worked. And yeah, it's always a good time. Thank you so much for this conversation, you guys. It has been so much fun. Just a few little housekeeping notes from um, the Save the Daredevil team. Uh, we do have some new swag in our shop. We got some real cool water bottles. I think a few of the team members have gotten the gold glitter. Actually, Shelby and Rihanna, you've both you've both purchased. Yes, mm-hmm. um, yes. And, yes, and you can vouch for the coolness. So cool! I don't even want to use it. It's so cool. <laughs> mine, mine hasn't gotten here yet, but it's in honor okay. of the gold suit. Yes, in honor of the gold suit. Um, we also put up some mugs, um, some Saved Daredevil mugs, red and white mugs. Very awesome. It's such a special, beautiful mug. Hand wash that just in case. But this is another fun thing that we wanted to put up in the shop, maybe in honor of Matt having gotten some coffee finally after so many years. And also, you know, just a fun thing for all of you to have in your mug collection. So that link to the shop is on our website at savedaredevil.com. If you um, don't know how to find it, that's where we also sell our shirts. And also with these new items, we're going to do the same thing as we've been doing. We're going to donate any of the proceeds and the profits to the Andrew Heskell Talking Book Library. Um, That's part of the New York Public Library. We also are probably going to be putting up any um, extra swag that we created for con season this year. So that's going to be hosted on our coffee page again. So just keep an eye out for an announcement. I know a lot of you were asking how you can get some of that stuff. Um, So hopefully that's going to happen soon. 
Um, and we do just want to also acknowledge, you know, we're recording this um, October 23rd, but in about a month from now, we will be celebrating uh, the four-year anniversary of the campaign, which is crazy and wild. And uh, we haven't made any specific plans yet, but I, I do think we might want to just like come back together and sort of talk about just where we're at now as four years after Daredevil is now officially saved, kind of talk about just all these full circle moments. So you can look forward to that as well. Anything else? ladies oh just looking forward to looking forward and i can tell that people still haven't discovered our tiktok it is as save da daredevil so 2ds on tiktok we are also saved daredevil on twitter and we are saved daredevil on instagram and facebook so if you haven't been following all of our super awesome social content please do we do all of the fun things um i'm gonna shout out shelby right now who has been doing oh, the most yeah. <laughs> Mm, I, if you want me to cut that out, I will. But no, I'm going to no, shout not. you out. I'm going to shout Leslie out. So these ladies are helping us get and Rhiannon, who is managing our TikTok. Just we're, we're a fun follow. So follow. And that's it. We'll be back for the next one, you guys. So thank you again for being listeners. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to Talk Daredevil. For more information about Saved Daredevil, including links to our socials, please visit us at savedaredevil.com. Remember, Murdoch's always get back up.